Warning, this podcast features graphic content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello again, Nightmare Society, and welcome to another episode of True Horror Stories. Thank you to user Clyde2003, user Thortastic, user Sleepy Chops, and user Slurpy Platypus for sharing their stories. And as always, a big thanks to our Patreon members, and welcome to our newest member, Sam Dramada1028. Thanks so much for joining us, Sam. And thank you all for showing back up to listen. I know episodes have been rather spotty lately, but so is life. So if you're not already, make sure you subscribe to our uh, podcast, either on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, etc. We're also over on YouTube as well. So don't forget to follow so you can get updates on when we share our newest episodes. So... Thanks for being here, and uh, get comfy, and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. slope of Alaska in the oil industry. The work we were doing required us to travel far out into the Alaska Petroleum Reserve, which is basically just untamed tundra wilderness for hundreds of miles. The oil companies would build these long ice roads in the winter that would lead to exploration drilling pads. Our job was to go out after they finished the initial drilling and test rock formations for their oil-producing qualities. It was mid-January. The sun hadn't quite come up yet. And when I say the sun hadn't come up, I mean in almost a month and a half. Polar nights are intense. The particular well site we were traveling to was about 60 miles west of Alpine, Alaska, deep into the wilderness. Our job took a week but we finished and were headed back to camp to finish our hitch and go home. At the beginning and end of the ice roads are guard shacks that you have to check in and out of for safety. No cell reception and radios work only up to a certain distance. If you don't check in or out in a set time, they come looking for you to ensure you're not a popsicle. It was about four in the morning 
not that it mattered in the land of endless night, and we were halfway across the ice road. Travel was slow as the speed limit on the roads is only 25 miles per hour, when something appeared on the road in our headlights. It was a man. It was a man, in jeans, sneakers, and a hoodie jacket, walking down an ice road in wilderness tundra at 4 a.m., and it was negative 20 degrees outside Fahrenheit. That's negative 28 Celsius. It's not unusual for the local Inuit people to be out this far hunting. Maybe his snowmobile broke down and he's trying to get back to the guard shack. It seemed plausible. He didn't acknowledge us as our trucks rolled up next to him. He just kept shuffling forward. He didn't seem cold. His clothing, while totally not appropriate for this extreme weather, appeared warm and dry. We also noticed he wasn't Inuit, but Caucasian. I rolled down my window and asked if he needed any help and if he was okay. He did not acknowledge us, just kept shuffling forward. His face was completely blank, devoid of any thought or emotions. The other guys in my truck suggested that maybe he was in an accident and in shock. I continued rolling my truck alongside him as he trudged down the road, still trying to get his attention. Even in this extreme cold, I could occasionally get whiffs of a particular smell coming off of him. He smelled... acidic? If that makes sense, I don't know. There was just a lot about this guy that made the hair on my neck stand up. The guy behind me in the truck's crew cab had had enough of all of this. He rolled his window down and reached out to grab the guy. He later said he was just going to try and shake him out of his stupor. Before my buddy's hand could reach him though, this walking popsicle spun around and latched onto my buddy's outstretched arm. He glared at my buddy and then at me with this look of pure rage not moving his hand from his arm. If emotions had a physical temperature, this guy would have melted the entire tundra that night. My friend groaned in pain as he tried to get his arm free from Mr. Popsicle. At that moment, this guy starts screaming in our faces. There was so much hate and rage and anger in that scream. It was absolutely terrifying. I slammed on the gas and spun out on the ice for a second before the wheels caught and launched us forward. Popsicle Dude still had a hold of my friend's arm and was trying to pull him out of the truck. He was running alongside the truck, while the other guys in the cab held on to my buddy to keep him inside. After several moments, it could have only been a few seconds at most, my friend tore free from this guy and we hauled butt back to the guard shack another 30 miles down the road. We checked in with the guards and reported what we had just seen. The guard was looking at us like we were pulling a prank, but policy said they had to check it out regardless. My friend's arm was sore, and when he pulled back his sleeve there were noticeable bruises in the shape of a hand around his arm. We filed a report with the guard and we were told to head back to our camp. None of us really wanted to talk about what happened, and it was a quiet drive the rest of the way. We all flew home the next day. The next time we saw the guard at this shack, we asked him if they ever saw Mr. Popsicle on his patrols. He told us they searched up and down that ice road for a solid 12-hour shift and saw nothing. 
not even tracks in the snow leading off the road. He told us it was a good prank, and that he'd get back at us for making him waste a shift driving around. But it wasn't a prank. Who would make up a story like that, and who would willingly bruise their arm for a dumb prank? We never got a satisfying answer to what happened that evening. I still wonder about that dude. If he even was a dude. The Alaskan tundra is a weird place, and that was just one of my many weird stories from my time up there. Weird things happen in the Appalachian Mountains. They're old as time itself, and people who have lived there will be the first to tell you that it can be otherworldly, and sometimes you just have to turn a blind eye for your own sanity, or just be like, yep, this is just how it is. I grew up in a small town outside of Pisgah National Forest. Lots of waterfalls, great hikes, beautiful views. It's an amazing place to be especially in summer. But what happened to me was in the dead of winter, when I was about 17. Before I write all this, let me preface by saying that at the time, I had just gotten my very first prescription for glasses, and was still not used to keeping them on me 24-7. But although my vision was blurry, I know something was there with me the day this happened. When I was 17, I decided to do my senior project on nature photography, what better place than to take some photos than in the forest? So I asked my mother if she would drive me into Pisgah and let me take some pictures as we winded through the woods. It was winter, so the trees were bare and the sky was gray. It was still a fairly pretty day, and I just wanted some pictures of the local flora. So my mom pulls over to let me walk down a trail I had been to hundreds of times. After a short little walk through the woods, you'd end up on a riverbank, a great swimming hole in the summer. And on the way back, the bank curved. You could walk along the little stony shore a little ways past the trail. Mind you, I was wearing a bright orange raincoat, so I was incredibly visible. So I'm crouching down to take a picture of a cooled old railroad spike that had been sticking out of the earth for years. And all of a sudden, I realized there's no noise. Like, scarily silent. No birds chirping. No nature sounds. Nothing. It's like I didn't even hear the sound of the water flowing. As this is happening, I suddenly realize exactly how visible and vulnerable I am. If you've experienced that primal sort of fear, you know what I mean. It was like alarm bells went off in my head, going, danger, danger. As I'm sitting there with this feeling wash over me, I start to hear crunching footsteps. Again, all the trees were bare, so there wasn't any foliage to block any view. I hear these footsteps that sound like two feet getting closer and closer to the river from the opposite side of the bank, and I'm watching very closely. I couldn't move at all. Whatever I saw was all gray, and not a human, but tall, and appeared to be on two legs. It was getting closer and closer, and 
right as it was about to reach the riverbank. I snapped out of my trance and turned and hightailed it. I have never been more scared or run that fast in my life. I booked it back to my mom's car and was obviously out of breath, so she asked me what happened. After I had explained it to her, she looked very worried and said that while I had been going down the trail, she got this weird sudden fear that something was wrong and was about to come and find me whenever I ran back. We left after that, and to this day sometimes we will talk about it but with no real explanation. I've told my boyfriend this story and he insists it could have been a skinwalker. I have no idea what it was, and although I wish I had gotten a better look, I'm glad I ran away when I did. What would you do if you found yourself in an unfamiliar land? I'm from Evermeath Isle. What about what about Graticha? Anybody heard of Graticha? So we're from different places, how? Like different worlds? Abducted from your home world and trapped in a prison with no possible escape. That's against the Geneva Convention. I don't know what that is. That doesn't exist here. Who's you, you know someone named in Geneva? Is she dead? I don't know. They beat her up a little bit and then they took her. I don't know where she is. She could very well be dead. You uh, you guys like beating up smaller creatures, huh? What of it? It's none of your business. And he's gonna <laughs> flick your nose. Great. I punch him directly in the mouth. Out of many, only four will rise to the challenge. My first roll of this series is a one. Ooh, yeah, that's good luck. To escape this hell. And you're locked into solitary for three days, trapped in a room no bigger than a broom closet. It fucking sucks here, DM! And find a way home. Let's start a fucking riot! Find your way home this June 16th on Save the D8 Epic. debated whether or not I would talk about this as it's a super short blip of time and I didn't see anything but ultimately I just want to find answers to what could have made this sound. My husband 28 and I 25 stay in a small town that borders the massive redwood forest. We are about 15 minutes or less from the trees of mystery. We live on a street that was built in the middle of the forest for whatever reason. There are two large patches of maybe 5 to 15 miles or more, one of which has a small forest bridge that connects to an even larger forest on either end of our street. I'll also say we tend to be night owls, preferring to stay up late and wake up late. So getting to what happened, my husband was getting ready for bed while I sat under the covers. 
It was a nice, cool fall night after a hot day, so I opened the window to just curl up under my five blankets with the wonderful fall air on my face. While laying on my phone, not asleep yet, I started to look up the next full moon, just because I like that kind of stuff. I was surprised to find out that the moon was at 100% that night, so I looked outside my window from my bedside and confirmed the amount of light on the ground outside on our street, which has no street lights since it's an old street, was very well lit in a bluish moon toned color. I was kind of like, oh neat, and then set down my phone. I like to wait for my husband to get in bed before I start falling asleep. I don't know if it's a comfort thing or not, but I usually can't sleep well in the bed unless he's near me. I was wide awake, sitting there for about two to five-ish minutes, listening to the crickets outside, when I heard a man scream up in my street. It sounded like it was coming two to three doors down near to one of the edges of the forest. At first, it was just a fearful scream, but the more it continued, the more I realized, oh, it's just a silly guy making a fake scream. Why? It's 2 a.m., but the scream went on for far too long, and then at the tail end of it, went from the silly fake man scream to a deep, gurgling roar. Similar to, I don't know, when someone is transforming into something in the movies. But at the same time, the first part of the scream didn't sound real. Like it was forced, or a pretend scream. I don't recall whether or not the crickets went silent, by the way. I just know I was no longer trying to listen to them after hearing that crazy noise. I've wondered if it was a Sasquatch, a werewolf dog man or some other creepy critter all the way to a person doing it but no one no human could go that deep or that long of a scream plus it echoed and felt like live sound not a speaker system or something like that i've gone through every possibility and i just can't fathom what this could have been spent my life in Georgia and love hiking all over, but I must admit North Carolina has the best mountains. For this reason, I frequently drive up there to hike and camp. This time, I went up with my family in an RV and stayed with them in Maggie Valley. The next day, however, I had them drop me off about 10 miles away at the cold mountain trailhead, and I planned to hike up, spend the night, and be back down in the morning. I was by no means inexperienced at hiking or camping, but I had never camped alone. On top of that, I didn't bring a pistol, something I won't go without now. On the way up, the trail was surprisingly strenuous, not necessarily steep. I've hiked some steep stuff out west, 
but more like a ton of ups and downs and feeling like it wouldn't end. Eventually it began to get darker and I realized I needed to stop and set up while I still had light. So I stopped about a half a mile short of the summit and figured I would continue in the morning. Nothing eventful happened. I set up camp in a really good spot, ate my food, and went into the tent. At this point I realized I hadn't run into a single other person the entire way up. This wasn't eerie at the time, but soon it would be. I have trouble sleeping, and usually lay awake for up to an hour trying to sleep. During this I thought I heard someone lightly walking around the general area because of the rhythm of the steps. I brushed it off as my mind running wild, but I did pull my big knife out of my bag and put it next to me in the sleeping bag. That morning I woke up and ate oatmeal. As I ate, I looked over at my tent and noticed a strange bundle of dried twigs and berries, tied with a green cord, propped against my tent. Internally, I was crapping myself, but I packed my stuff up and took off within five minutes. And no way I bothered to go to the summit. I headed straight down. On the way down, I realized there was a pretty heavy fog and I ended up on a side trail that eventually ended and I was lost. I used a compass to eventually reorient myself and found the trail again. One of the biggest reliefs. I made it out with no other incident. However, come to find out the same morning, a 27 year old died on the same section of trail as me and it's possible I would have run into him had I not gotten lost and rejoined the trail later. His family seems to have scrubbed the internet of several of the articles on him. You should still be able to find some if you search Chad Seeger Hiker. Seeger spelled S-E-G-E-R. I've also added some photos of the bundle and campsite. The scariest part was knowing that someone knew where I was and watched me and I had no clue they were there. I will be posting these photos over on Instagram as well as the Patreon. You do not have to be a member to see the um, public posts over there where I share the photos and such. So uh, links are in the show notes and you can go to either one uh, to check out the photos. It's quite interesting. But anyways, thank you so much for listening and until next time. Sweet. 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 Sweet.